Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. I'm your host, Jacob Rude. We have a special guest with us today. Uh, we had a, a while back, we brought on James Boyd to talk about the Pacers and the likelihood of them being a, a trade destination for Russ. We hinted in, that we were going to get somebody with the Hornets on, and we finally, finally do uh, producer over at I on College Basketball Podcast for CBS Sports. But for the purposes of this podcast, Hornets fan, <laughs> former uh, Locked On Hornets uh, co-host, Nada Edwards. Nada, man, you guys have a new head coach. How are you feeling over there? Um, You know what? I'm happy it's not D'Antoni. Um, oh, yeah. I, I am kind of happy it's not D'Antoni because D'Antoni would have been one of those things where we're talking about a whole other just we're pushing for the playoffs. We're putting like it becomes an outright playoff. At least with Kenny Atkinson, it becomes a hedge. And I can't complain about anything being a hedge where you're going to do development and and winning because this is a small market franchise, for, for better or worse. It always felt kind of weird that uh, they fired Borrego for – I mean, I was just surprised they fired Borrego in general. But the fact they fired him and then it was kind of with the idea that they wanted someone with more defense. And then Mike D'Antoni was, yeah, was one of the there, finalists. There's that, there's that, there's that, there's that part of it. There's that part of it. Like, and you've covered, you've been around, you've been around the media circles for this and you've been around for, because you covered LaMelo for so long, but you, so you understand this, like Borrego is loved and yeah. Borrego was a great quote. Oh, for God, this yeah. team. Like he was great. And for him to be gone tells me that they're ready to take the next step. And it was kind of, it, it's, it still shocks me because I thought that this move was might, might've been maybe six months too early. Mm-hmm. Like I like, I like Kenny Atkinson. I think he can do well here. I thought the Br- James Brago thing is sets a very high standard for the next coach. Like you have to come in here and win 45 games. Yeah. Like that's how big of a Thing because I thought James Borrego did an excellent job here establishing a culture that wasn't really here before that establishing a culture of we're going to develop our guys we're going to do all this stuff and we're going to build from the ground up and now that the is kind of built the culture set is built from the ground up now that we have that it's like okay what do we do now now that we fire Borrego we're going to bring another guy that's got kind of the same culture I've I've uh, dubbed this it's not a downgrade or an upgrade. It's more like a Cupid shuffle to the left in terms of a higher. So I think that's how I would describe it. Yeah, that was kind of what I thought too, because um, I mean, unfortunately, as you kind of said, Borrego build the cult or built the culture, but those guys are hardly ever the ones that. Ever um, see, yeah. See through, yeah. Yeah. And that, that seemed like what it was, which on the surface would have maybe made a little sense, but I just didn't see anybody out there on that was uh going to come in and be a clear upgrade but i mean you end up landing on kenny atkinson i guess what's the your reaction to uh to getting him now it's a cupid shuffle it's a cupid shuffle to the left like i said i think he's going to be a different voice i think if there was anyone that was wanting more accountability more focus 
I think Kenny Atkinson will be that. I can point to about four or five games in the season where you could say, you know what? This If there was a coach that held these guys accountable, made them pay attention to the details of everything, and held them to a standard, I think Kenny Atkinson can do that. Because I can point to, I can look at the late game against the Nets in Charlotte where Kyrie comes in, scores fit, scores 50. That's one of those where I'm just like, okay, cool. That was a disorganized moment. I can think of the late game against the Heat, against the Sixers, where they're basically in the game for maybe a quarter, quarter and a half, don't pay enough attention to the details, and now we're talking about a a 20-point, 30-point loss. There were a bunch of those games on top of the two playing games where it's like, okay, I can get it. If Kenny Atkinson does that, brings that that gap a little bit closer, has this team a little bit more prepared, more focused, more ready for in-game adjustments, then that's going to be a great hire. But if it's more of the same, then you fired a coach maybe six months too early for a guy that you're now stuck with for at least two years. Yeah. And I mean, I always kind of looked at those playing games as like the dis- the big disappointment, but it also felt maybe a little bit of an overreaction to two pretty bad losses, even if they were the two biggest games that the, the franchise has had in the last couple of seasons. Agreed. Uh, the, when you uh, look at, kind of the searches between the two they both took really long to uh yeah on a head coach were you surprised at how long your guys search lasted no because there was no leverage there's no leverage of someone like unless steve kerr let's say they went let's say the warriors win and steve kerr's like you know what i'm out i'm done i've got my rings i'm going to go sit again i'm gonna go join a political party and become and run for senator or something like that Barring that, there were no other jobs. So you had no one to manage any kind of leverage over. I am surprised, like when we talk about the coaching searches between the Hornets and the Lakers, I'm much more surprised it took the Lakers as long as it did more than the Hornets. Because I knew the Hornets had a little bit of something where the own, because they essentially said 43 wins, back to back, 10 year jumps, 10 win jumps, I'm sorry are not good enough anymore we need something to take us to another level a different voice i can understand why they fire frank vogel especially when it comes to just no one wanted to really listen he didn't have the respect of the locker room anymore. no one wanted to listen and you needed to find a, a guy that was going to be in here to come in there and be excited to take on the russell westbrook problem and yeah that's a big problem I don't know anybody's necessarily excited to take on that problem, but Darwin's pretending though. He's pretending you got to give him that he's putting on a good face to everybody. And I mean that, that kind of, there was a lot of overlap between these and probably for the mention or for the reasons that you mentioned that uh, the Kings move kind of fast and that just left these two openings um, for all the candidates to kind of vie for I mean, Ham was a finalist or one of the finalists for you one guys. I guess what yeah. you, yeah, what what was your just kind of thoughts on him as a head coach candidate? I thought, to me, I thought he was going to be the number one guy. I thought he was going to be, um, I thought he was going to be the Hornets head coach. Quite honestly, like, mm-hmm. and I do believe that it became one of those situations where Darwin was like, I can compete for this coveted this a little bit slightly more coveted job with the hornets a little bit more margin for error i don't have to deal with russ 
with Mike D'Antoni and Kenny Atkinson and possibly miss out. Or I can take the solidified job that if I just get them to a play-in game, I'm going to be considered a somewhat success. And if I can unlock Anthony Davis and get him to play more inside out than outside in, I think you're going to find, like there's a lot of this where I think you're going to find there's a lot more upside to the Lakers job because you can't, if you give them 45 wins, maybe a six, seven seed, and you get around in maybe two, that's considered as a successful year. I understand that you have LeBron and AD, but at the same time, you're probably re- rebuilding what? Six, seven open roster spots this year? Yeah, it could be even more than that, depending on what they do with some team options for like Stanley Johnson winning Gabriel guys like yeah. that. So it, it's a, about half the roster again that you're rebuilding. Uh, I, when you kind of looked at the two jobs, it, it was interesting because, I mean, you just kind of laid it out on one hand, you have LeBron, you have AD, like fair or not, there are aspirations. <laughs> yeah. For something much bigger than probably what this roster is going to be able to accomplish with the Lakers. And then Charlotte, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot different. They're not necessarily rebuilding, but it's a, a franchise that's still on the way up. Were you surprised that then that he kind of took that challenge with the Lakers versus the Hornets then? No, because it's LA. LA yeah. is going to always going to be the Trump card. Like that's the thing. I understood why he t- took the job because also at the same time, if you're Darvin Ham, what are your chances that at the, at the end of the day, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, I'll know that he's kind of cheap. He was going to take the best coach at the best bargain. Do you really want to offer your services at a lower at a lower price tag than probably a Mike D'Antoni who who came in pretty high from what I've heard? And then a Kenny Atkinson, who also comes in kind of high, you would have had to be selling yourself really, really short rather than, OK, I'm coming in. I'm going to take this challenge on with the Los Angeles Lakers and I have my bona fides. I know mm-hmm. I can coach defense. I just have to be able to coach a stitch of offense and find a way again to, to activate Russell Westbrook, which, while easier said than done, is still possible. So I completely understand why it's took the job that he did. Yeah. And. I mean, with when you have LeBron James on the office or on the roster, there's only so much offense that you're really even going to coach. Yeah, exactly. But, like, there's only so much that you really need to do. It's like, let me just figure out the defense. Let me find a way to hide LeBron better. Let me find a way not to have to put LeBron at center, even though sometimes that was the best lineup. But yeah. find a way to just make all these pieces work. And if you manage to keep a Malik Monk and some of the other guys, yo, that's the start of a pretty good roster. And even then, you're still going to find those veterans that want to come in and play. So I don't think it's that big of a, I don't think it's that big of a challenge to continue. Like you're establishing a new culture in LA at the same time, you're not having to continue on a culture and fill some, fill some relatively big shoes like you would have in Charlotte. And I think that's also a big thing about this too. I didn't, you just mentioned him. I totally forgot. There's a Malik Monk connection here. What was it like uh, (laughs) watching him go off this season? It's funny. It was bittersweet. You know, it was like you knew he was capable of this, but at the same time, you saw some of the same like you saw some of the same habits that he did in Charlotte pop through in L.A., namely on defense. Yeah. And if he's going to be this undersized one way guy, he's got to be a lot more explosive for what he is. Like, that's the thing. I'm glad he took a step 
in a mature way as a person because that was lacking and I'm being nice there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I would tell you that I'm happy to see him grow. I just, he's got the next step that Malik Monk takes to be a regular rotation guy has to be on defense because if it's not, then I don't know what he is on, in, in the league right now. He did make some strides defensively, but it was starting at such a low bar that, uh, <laughs> like you I, have, like that's the best part. You have the best frame of reference for Malik yeah. Monk than anybody else on the Laker beat because you saw the stuff that frustrated the hell out of everybody in Charlotte, and then you yeah. saw him do some of the same stuff when it came to the Lakers, and you're just like, yeah, I don't know what y'all are surprised about. I've seen this for now for like a year and a half straight. Yeah, and like it was. I did feel a little vindicated because I thought he would be decent. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that he was going to need to take a step defensively, especially under Frank Vogel. But I was legitimately worried, like, is Wayne Ellington going to get more time than him early in the season? Because that's how bad I thought he was <laughs> defensively. Yes. But but he he took the, the steps forward. He was more kind of dynamic offensively than Ellington ever really was. So uh, he took step steps forward all over. Uh, the court and it's going to be interesting now to see if the Lakers can want to or can hold on to him if they do want to it he talked about wanting to come back but uh yeah that was a that was a fun he was one of the few bright spots the Lakers had this season uh one other thing I wanted to talk about before we dive into all this rust stuff is just Borrego as a potential assistant coach do you think he's someone that jumps right back into it as an uh, assistant do you think he sits out because I know that there's been some Lakers fans that have mentioned him as a potential assistant coach candidate. Do you want Malik Monk back? Because that would be the question. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Do you want Malik Monk back? Because <laughs> yeah. if the answer is yes, then you can't have James Brego on that coaching staff. Yeah. You can't. I'm sorry. Especially with after everything he said about yeah. James Brego this offseason, there's no way, none, that you can bring a James Brego as a Lakers uh, as a Lakers assistant. Now, if Malik Monk doesn't come back, it might help. But also, I don't think they have the young guys to where it helps to have a James Borrego. That's not a staff that I can see them. I can see him joining back. I much more see him if there's an opening, let's say, with Milwaukee, which there is. Or yeah. if there's an opening with Pop, which there, I think there is at least one opening there. I can see him going back there. If not, he's sitting out, and I think he'll still be a very, very hot coach in terms of a team that needs to rebuild and that needs to set up their culture. And like I could see him taking over for a Steven Silas in Houston. I can see him taking over for a Dwayne Casey in Detroit. Those two teams are one, those are some of those that like, okay, it makes sense. He joins and takes over those staffs as a head man. For right now, I don't see him as an assistant because most of the assistant jobs that are probably going to be open are going to be for teams that are established looking to win titles. And I'm not sure JB fits that right now. Yeah. The, the only, one of the only reasons I thought it'd be a fit too, is because Darvin Ham said something during his press conference that he wanted guys that could like roll up their sleeves and actually get out there and work with guys. And I know that was the type of guy that Borrego was, but I, I did not even think about the Malik Monk connection. It would definitely, <laughs> it would definitely be an either or. Either you have Borrego or you have Malik Monk, and you can't have there, both. Yeah, there were there, there's a lot of assistant coaches out there that you can hire, and uh, 
there's only one Malik that wants to be back. So I, it seems like a bridge that you probably shouldn't be burning right away. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I totally forgot about that. The, uh, the elephant in the room, I guess that we've kind of mentioned a couple times is Russ who mm-hmm. um, early on in the, the off season before the off season really even started, there were talks of the Hornets being a team that would trade for him uh, to clear some cap space before we dive into any of the details uh, I mean, is that even something that you think the Hornets are interested in? Not unless the Lakers are willing to take Hayward back and give up one of those, either 27 or 29 unprotected. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the, the Hornets are looking to take the next step. And unless you were willing, unless the Hornets were willing to, like, I thought it was a good idea before I kind of heard Mitch talk and they, they're looking to take the next step. They're looking to make, just make it a bit, make a bigger step, make more of a step towards the playoffs. I don't see them trading. I thought initially, good idea. If it was going to be a salary dump, there were going to be picks, picks attached. I don't think they're looking for that anymore. I think they're looking to take 13 and 15, either reduce salary and or bring a veteran that helps. And I'm not sure Russ is that guy, even if that means he comes off the bench, which I'm not sure he's willing to do. He's not. <laughs> so, like, if that's going to be the case where he's not going to be – he's unwilling to be a bench guy, why upset the apple cart? This is a very, very close-knit, very, very functional locker room. I don't see them doing anything like that, uh, or at least not anymore. I, If I thought that there was a chance they were going to try and extend the rebuild, yeah, I could see it. But for right now, I'm not sure that – I'm not sure he fits here anymore. And I, I still contend that anybody that's trading for Russ this offseason, with very few exceptions, like the Knicks are the only one I can think of, are trading for like the financial flexibility he's going to offer them. Yep. And the I would be surprised if hardly any team would actually play him uh, if he, again, aside from the Knicks, because the Knicks are just crazy enough to to believe that he would be an upgrade. But um that I mean, there is some financial flexibility he would offer Charlotte because Hayward's deal runs one season longer. But yep. I mean, Hayward's been pretty good for you guys. How how was he? I mean, I obviously saw how important he was his first season there. How was he last year with you guys? He was equally he was equally important. I would argue he had just as much of an effect, and they had to learn how to play without him for the second half of the season. That problem, like. The thing is, it's just you can only expect 40, 45 games out of them. And if you're going to trade for somebody, and, and this is my thing now, with the upcoming contract of with like Miles Bridges being an upcoming restricted free agent, PJ Washington, forward PJ Washington being a free agent after that, the idea of trading Hayward for pennies on the dollar is very, very enticing. It's just what are you bringing back? And it's not just the financial flexibility. This is still a chemistry, it's still a people business. I think that sometimes like those that cover basketball, myself included, forget that this is a people business. And if you're trading for Russ and you're trading for that pride, you're trading for the work ethic and you're trading for all of that, he's going to have to be a part of this team in some way. And on top of that, how many owners can sit there and say, you know what, that 44 million, I'm okay with that being in some sort of Armani suit or not being a part of the team at all. 
Like you, they're like Andre Iguodala basically telling him not to show up. That's one thing because it's not $44 million. Yeah. You're effectively telling half a hundred million dollars. Yo, you know, we're good. Sit home. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure. The more I thought about that, the more I'm not sure they're going to be teams that trade for that willingly on, on the heels of new CBA, by the way, as well, that figures to be a lot more stringent. I'm not sure they're going to be those pe- those owners that are going to be willing to do that this year coming off of what is going to be a very successful and very competitive season. I don't think we're going just we're r- ratcheting it back just for, just because it was the 75th anniversary of the NBA. I think like other years, maybe if this was like 2018, I could see it. Now, I'm not so sure that we can actually do that. I mean, you mentioned they have the Hornets have two first round picks. Are they really even looking to get off Hayward's deal at all right now? I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Only because if you want to keep Bridges, if you want to keep yeah. Washington, and then if you factor in the upcoming Malik Monk, uh, not Malik Monk, uh, LaMelo Ball extension, that's going to be a rookie max. Like, mm-hmm. I think you have to at least consider it, but I'm not sure they're going to be willing to give give them up for pennies on the dollar. We saw that they they worked out shade and sharp. It's much more likely that they trade up rather than trade off a veteran. So I I don't think the appetite is there as much, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Gordon Hayward super sub next year and he's cool with it for right now. Yeah, and again, that's not something Russ has any interest in. They they mentioned <laughs> exactly. it. At, they mentioned it a couple times. Russ was adamant he is not coming off the bench. So uh, there is no super sub option there if you trade for Russ either. So if we're building a hypothetical kind of trade between the Lakers and Hornets, like Russ and Hayward have to be included. What I mean, you mentioned picks for or pick or picks for from the Lakers. Do you think that they would the Hornets would want 27 and 29 just one like knowing mike yeah no knowing the ownership yes knowing the ownership and the way their pockets are 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 thought it it would have to be two it'd have to be both i don't think they could do 27 and they're not going to get 27 and 29 but would i be surprised if they want they were like adamant 27 and 29 or else this is no deal wouldn't be surprised at all is that do you think there would be any interest in a player instead of one of those picks whether it's a Taylor horton tucker whether it's I mean, I guess potentially I w- Kendrick Nunn too. I would have thought Taylor Horton Tucker before the extension. Yeah. I would have, like, I hate to put it this way. Taylor Horton Tucker as a, on a rookie scale deal, had a lot more value than he does on his current contract. And I thought, like, and, and this is coming from someone that really likes Taylor Horton Tucker's game. And I think, for Taylor Horton Tucker to grow, he's got to get off that team specifically. I w- like I like him. I just don't like him at that contract number. Yeah. Like it's one of those things. Like it's one of those things that you just get the number gets you caught up almost. And the the market is the market, and he got paid with the market market dictated. At the same time, it's going to be the reason he's so hard to trade for. Or he's so he's going to be so hard to trade now because I think he overpaid him slight. I think, I think Palinka overpaid him a little bit, and that's going yeah. to be the down downfall. A little bit of clutch tax added in there. Yep. Uh, yep. The and the other problem they're going to have trading him is that he's kind of effectively expiring because if he plays well, he's not he's going to opt out of his 
yeah. last year with his player option, and then you're going to be fighting to even keep him. If he doesn't play well, then you're again overpaying you're for him. yeah a guard who it has not shown any sort of three pointer or anything of that sort. And yeah, I don't think there's any. I don't think they can keep him on the roster if they're keeping Russ on the roster. So, I mean, if we're building out this hypothetical trade, Russ for Hayward is not enough financially either. The The Hornets have, would have to, to bring, it would probably have to bring, bring an Ubre in as well on that deal, which honestly makes 27 and 29, like mandatory. If yeah. you really think about it. And then on top of that, you're probably telling Russ to stay home and that becomes a messy fight. Mm-hmm. in Charlotte, where the Hornets are probably not winning that PR battle at all. Because then you're probably going to get a LeBron t- barrage of tweets saying, this is the Hornets again, yada, yada, yada. Look, they're being r- poorly run. This is how we ended up with Malik Monk, yada, yada, yada. I don't think that's something that the Hornets want to entice. I don't see how they let that guy, without 27 and 29, and then finding a way to replace the wing talent, even though Book Knight's waiting in the wings, even that, even though that opens up more for Jalen McDaniel and maybe even a Scotty Lewis. Like, I can see it, but at the same time, I'm just not sure they're going to be the ones to do it. If, they're, if someone's going to trade for Russ, it's going to be big city, and it's going to be for those picks. And it's got to be a team that, has desperate that's desperate enough like like we said the knicks who have just enough bad contracts to move off for that and then clear it up clear it up for us and that makes more sense than a team like the charlotte hornets that are still looking to establish this culture and i'm not sure russ fits that culture right now is there anyone else that you would be fine with including in that trade i know i mean the one name that i've seen that i have always push back on is Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward for Russ, which seems insane to me, but I mean, where do you stand? I don't see. You'll understand this better than most, but Terry Rozier is the emotional heartbeat and the emotional leader of that team. Yeah. It's one thing to trade a Gordon Hayward, who is not very much of a vocal leader. It's another thing to trade the vocal leader, the one who organized their Miami vacation to train and everything, where you had literally everybody down there. Surprising no one caught COVID, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I, would, I would point out that, that I don't think you lose the Terry Rozier for that cheap. I, and I, I understand it's a lot of fle- fundamental flexibility, but at the same time, as, we've, as I've mentioned before, this is a people business. This you do not get rid of that guy unless you're you're sure that there's someone that's going to come in there, take that power vacuum of being the vocal leader and keep it going. I'm not sure they've developed that guy. Lamelo's not that guy yet. Miles is not that guy yet. PJ Washington might be that guy. I'm not sure, but that's a gamble. I'm not sure I'm willing to take at this point this year. Not for a Russell Westbrook. I'm, it's closer if there was going to be a deal. I can see an Ubre and Hayward. That way, if the Lakers want to keep Ubre and that partially guaranteed salary goes, it goes away and it clears up some more stuff for the for the Lakers. I can see them doing that. I don't see Terry Rozier as a Laker for Russell Westbrook unless something really goes wrong in in between now and July first. That's the only way. 
and to the this being a people business aspect too terry and lamello are good friends so you're trading away a, a friend of your franchise's superstar coming forward so um that was there were just a lot of reasons i didn't think that one made sense the the other the last name i've seen kind of mentioned is pj washington who is coming up on a yeah the he's he's entering the final year of his deal is there yeah is there any chance he would be someone included in the deal the only way i see pj washington get getting dealt this summer is for rudy gobert and or deandre ayton that's Mm -hmm. it Russell Westbrook doesn't move the needle for them, especially considering everything that PJ does and being a switchable four five big, being yep. able to play small ball center. There's no chance, no chance whatsoever. He would be really fun with Anthony Davis, but uh, he's really good. <laughs> and yeah, and that that just wasn't a name I, I expected to be included too much either. But I didn't know if there were also any kind of financial straps with with Charlotte that might not, like it not yet. Yeah. Let's see what this Miles Bridges extension looks like. And then maybe, but I don't see them dealing PJ Washington until they have to. And I don't think they have to just yet. Let's see what happens in a year. Sign and trades are kind of weird. Mitch Kubchak seems to be really, really good at them. So mm-hmm. for right now, I don't think PJ Washington is in any danger of leaving Charlotte unless Mitch Kupchak has to say in it. Not so far, I don't think he's going to do that just yet. What do you think this Miles Bridges contract is going to look like? Five for 130, five for 145. That's a huge deal, but he's really good. He's good, and he was their leading scorer last year, and there's a lot of this where I just don't, they're, they this is this is a contract they have to sign. This is clutch. Oh yeah, clutch. And this is clutch saying, "Hey, look, you're going to give us all the money." Yeah. I know Hollinger said. I know John Hollinger reported that it was going to be like a twenty-five million dollar deal. I, I I'm expecting around twenty-seven AAV. I'm expecting that. Like if he if you get him for twenty-seven, anywhere from twenty-seven to twenty-nine, it's a steal, and you you move on, and then you're going to be in good shape going forward especially with the new CBA and probably what's going to come with it as well. And shout out to Miles. He bet on himself this season. And, and one big. One huge. He's, that's damn near double the contract. I think he was uh He, he was, was never taking that, though. Well, like, yeah. The, like, that's the thing that I guess people don't – like, he bet on himself big. Like, Clutch, clutch – I'm trying to think about the, the amount of rookie-scale contracts that Clutch has actually negotiated before the actual – like the one thing Clutch is really, really good at is maximizing their clients' money. There was no way he was ever taking that deal. And I wish the narrative of, oh, I almost took this deal. No, he wasn't. Clutch was never letting him take that deal. Yeah. The It's actually interesting because I think he was with Clutch at the time, but KCP turned down a rookie extension and that did not work out for him he lost a a good amount of money but in general they don't typically take those uh rookie extensions and i would it'd be interesting to look back how many times they've actually even signed that because yeah they typically try to maximize the nerland's noel is another one that they didn't take the the extension and lost that on a bunch of money but there were there was a lot of stuff that they screwed up there but yeah that's interesting and good for miles man he's a lot of fun and he's a lot of fun 
Yeah, again, Instagram, social media stuff aside, social media stuff aside. <laughs> it was pink lemonade. Guy. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're going with pink lemonade. It uh, didn't even look pink, but it, it was Exactly. We are go- we're going to believe him. We, I choose to believe him for right now. Now, granted, I'm wondering where management was then, but still, okay. But either way, I think, like I said, he's been, he's been so great that it's not the pink lemonade thing aside. It's not something that you're going to trip over for long at all. Last thing, how are you? Uh, how are Hornets fans enjoying this uh, finals? I guess now everybody's a a Warriors fan. I know the Steph connections there with the uh, with it being Charlotte and now Atkinson on the roster. Is everybody cheering for uh, Golden State? For now, there? yeah, because they want somebody with championship championship experience coaching this team. Even though, like, I I, I think it's going to be a very interesting development. I think everybody's rooting for the Warriors. I would not be surprised if. And, but at the same time, the Grant Williams connection is very, very strong here because Grant Williams is also from Charlotte. So mm. you have that part to it, too. So it's a little bit it, it's interesting, but I do think that everybody around here is rooting for Steph. What a performance he had the other night, too. That yeah. was uh, that That's was a legendary performance, Le- legendary performance. Again, every one of the greats has one of those. And then Steph gave us gave us his. Yeah, did it while everybody spent the days leading up to it talking about his <laughs> his resume and legacy and he just said hold my beer and went yeah, off on that it. one that Final, was again uh, r.i.p finals mvp narrative r.i.p yeah. i still think the the best way for this to end is him getting a finals mvp and the warriors losing the series just from a narrative standpoint because oh oh, then no no no, no who even no, like how no, do you do that now? no Basketball Twitter itself immolates if that happens. Self yeah. immolates. Yeah, but I'm certainly not rooting for the Celtics, and neither is yeah, probably no. anybody listening to this. But no, no, you, nor should you. Like, yeah. like you're again. If you tweet, "I'm rooting for the Celtics," your phone should burn up if you're a Lakers. <laughs> be real. Yes, a hundred percent. There's no rivalry there with the with the Warriors. They were, they were never. The Lakers were never good when the Warriors were a dynasty, basically, and so. Yeah. It, I, I don't understand the uh, any Lakers fans who really have a, a disdain for the Warriors, but yeah, oh. there's there, there's no shot you should be rooting for the Celtics. Well, man, thanks a ton for coming on today. Let the people know where they can uh, find your work at. Absolutely. You can find my work on uh, Ba College Basketball Podcast. Occasionally, I do make appearances still on Locked on Hornets. And like those are the main two outlets. You're going to find me doing something on there or producing the Pick 6 podcast for CBS Sports where it's the NFL, where if you need something NFL related, please go there. But that's pretty much what I do. Outside of that, you'll see me tweeting about about the Hornets at Nava the Scribe on Twitter. Absolutely. Go give him a follow. It's uh, great stuff he does over there. And uh, thanks a ton for coming on. We will be back with you guys next week to – Talk a little bit about the NBA draft and the pick the Lakers might be eventually buying, it sounds like. So we'll see you all next week.